0: Thank you so much. I, I find that the, every week when I keep asking people if they participate on these, a lot of people are turning me down, and I think I know why now, right? Uh, we don't give them much information before they go. Well, again, if you got your Bibles open, you if you wanted to turn somewhere to begin with, you can turn to the book of Revelation. We're going to start there in Revelation chapter 15. You can make your way there now. But we continue our church uh, words sermon series being uh, discussing words that we, we often use in the church context that maybe uh, need some explanation so that we can all get on the same page together. Um, this week's word is glory. Glory. We told you that last week, and uh, this week, last week was spiritual. This, this week's word is glory, and glory is not a word that we use in every spiritual sentence. We probably, you may even think to yourself, I've never heard that in church, or, or I don't use it myself even in church but if you have heard it in church, probably the place that you have heard the word glory is in the music. In fact, we, we even sang it today, show us your glory. We just we just sang that. But while this may not be used in every spiritual sentence, you will hear uh, me use the phrase for the glory of God and the good of man often. This is a biblical conclusive statement for me. This is why we are here. This is what God saves us for. This is why God makes a way for us. For the glory of God and the good of man. And again, as we think about this word, we often hear it when the music is played as we sing it in songs of worship. At Christmas, we sing glory to the newborn king. We sing an updated uh, hymn of praise called Glory to God. Glory to God forever. To God be the glory, right? Y'all remember those, that old hymn? To God be the glory he have done the front row people know that's good all right so i don't know if we can sing that one cuz only eight people knew it but um but we we sing these kinds of songs all the time that have the word glory in it and, and it's because god is glorious the the word glory or glorious th- this is the comprehensive value of god's nature he's awesome That's who he is. And so this is why it's an appropriate response. This is why we sing these things, because it's appropriate for creation to sing to the creator, because he is worthy of worship. He's worthy of our offerings of worship. This is why sometimes I almost want to introduce the sermon before we sing, because it gives us a new or greater perspective before we ever lift our voice. See, this. I would ask you to, and encourage you to, to walk in here every Sunday morning with that on your mind. That He is God and you are not. That God is above and we are below. That He is worthy of what we're about to do. That we will not open our mouth and sing like we're riding in a car and the radio's playing, but that we will bring a heart filled with an offering of worship to Almighty God because God is glorious. It's in His nature. The comprehensive value. Awesome. Again, this is why we bring the offerings. In Genesis... Chapter 4, this is the first place where where man makes an offering to God. In their desire to worship, Cain and Abel bring offerings to God. And, and Cain brought... Uh, An offering that was part of what he could give and Abel brought the best. You remember this in Genesis chapter 4? Well, within this brief passage, man is making an offering of worship to God and God, knowing their heart, either rejected that offering or he accepted that offering. This is a, a part of the nature of relationship between man and God. This is acceptable and appropriate between man and God because here's God, or he's God, and here's man. And because of that, because God knows his worth and Because it's appropriate and he's glorious. Worship is therefore appropriate. Sometimes we need a reminder of just that. That God is God. He is over us. He has all authority. He is all-knowing. God is glorious. He, above all, is holy. And while he is relational... And while the Scriptures tell us that we are the children of God and even tells us that we are the friends of God, we are still God's creation where He is up here and we are down here and it's appropriate for us to worship and give our offerings unto the Lord. The Scripture in Revelation chapter 15 verse 4, if you're there, this is what the Bible says. Who will not fear you, Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous deeds have been revealed. This is one of those scriptures where if we close the Bible up and went on home, you could think about it for the rest of the week and it would preach. I want you to listen to it one more time as we read it again. Who will not fear you, Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous deeds have been revealed. No one's like God. No one. And if this statement is difficult for you to grasp today, that no one is like God, you have a high view of yourself or of men and a very low view of divinity. Man is only awesome if somebody tells them that they're awesome. Man is only awesome when they've done something and other men or other women tell that man or woman that they are awesome because of the thing that they've done. And you could say that that person has glory, but that glory only goes so far. Here's what I mean. My friends and I uh, talk regularly, and a lot of times we talk about sports. We all enjoy sports, and so we talk about who's the best player to ever play fill-in-the-blank. And every time we do that, varying opinions flow, right, all the time. So I did a little experiment last week. We're on a group text. I said, all right, guys, sermon research here. Let, let me hit you with something. I'll tell you why I'm doing it later. I said, go. I said, tell me who's the best baseball player of all time, of all time. Within 10 minutes, we had 10 different answers. Why is that? Who's the most glorious baseball player of all time? And within 10 minutes, 10 different answers. The reason why that is, is because we're voting who's the most famous of men that are flawed. When you play baseball, there's a category for errors. And so you have flawed people voting on the glory of flawed people. So it's flawed all the way around. So when you talk about the glory assigned to men, and sometimes the thing that we search after, whether we admit it or we don't. You you have people assigned glory that's only going to last so long because somebody's going to come greater than them later, and all of a sudden their glory's gone. And they're not glorious anymore. And the ones that are voting on this glory are limited in perspective. There's no way that I can go back and watch Ty Cobb play baseball. So guess what? For me, he's not the most glorious because I've never seen him play. So you have a limited person assigning glory to limited people. And this is why when glory runs out for man, regardless of whether it's now or later, we're brought back to the reality and the truth that there's only one that's all-powerful. There's only one that's ever played with no categorical statistic for error. There's only one. And that is God. It is in His very nature that He is glorious. I think about now, you, you think about who we are and what we've seen. Again, the assignment of glory that we give. We've just seen, as you talk to young folks now, and you ask them, well, who's the best basketball player that's ever lived? Well, a lot of them will say, LeBron James and Kobe Bryant. I'm like, no, 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 no. You guys, it's 23 and he wears red and black. That's who." Like, what are y'all thinking? But the problem with it, they've never seen him play. So again, it's limited perspectives from limited people assigning glory all the way around. And man is only awesome when someone says so. And that's according to another flawed human being. God is awesome just because He is. He is God. All-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present, completely good. Completely. This is who God is. Now, we say that, and you may ask the question, well, how do you know that? You just think that there's a God and He's awesome, and then you just assign that to Him. All of a sudden, you've assigned a flawed, limited human being, have assigned glory of God to God based on what you think or feel. No, no, no. The end of verse 4 of Revelation 15 says, For your righteous deeds have been revealed. God's goodness has been revealed. God is not trying to keep Himself from you. God is not trying to, to keep his identity a secret. He's not trying to hide from us. Moses asked God in Exodus chapter 33 verse 18, as the people of God in Israel were making their way to the promised land, Moses asked God, God, let me see your glory. At first he had said, please go with us. If you don't go with us, none of this is going to happen. It's not going to be any good. And God said, I'll go. And then he said, let me see your glory, Lord. Let me see how awesome you are. Let me see your fame right before me. And you know what God told him? I'll do it. I will. The scripture even says that that he will be found by us if we seek him with all our heart. He's not trying to hide from us. Same thing with Moses. So when Moses said, please let me see your glory, God said, I'll give it to you. I'll show you my goodness for the glory of my name right now. And so what God did is he took Moses and he hid him behind the crevice of a rock And all of the goodness of God, and I don't know what that looks like, but I bet it was awesome because I know his nature. And all of the goodness of God passed before Moses, and Moses only got to see the backside of his glory. And the reason for that is because the Scripture teaches that if he saw all of it, it would have killed him. So to spare Moses from death at that point... And to keep him in line with his purpose. He showed him his goodness, but he only showed him part of it because all of it being shown to Moses would take him out. So if you're wanting to see God, if you need to see God, to believe God, then look for his goodness and don't look for his face. And if you're trying to look for his face and he don't give it to you, it's because he's trying to keep you alive. It's because we're limited in who we are. Why is that so hard to buy for us? That there's someone actually greater than us. That God is actually all-powerful, all-knowing, all-glorious. God's glory is manifested. Now, that's a $5 word. It just means God's glory is put on display. He shows it to us. Now, how is that? God's glory is displayed, first of all, in creation. If you're taking notes, God's glory is displayed in creation. The Scripture says in the book of Psalm in chapter 19, verse 1, that the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they continue to make him known. God is painted with his almighty brush across the sky in the evening called sunset. You ever watch that lately? God, the, the way that he forms creation is so that we will look up and see that he is almighty and glorious creator. Not too long ago, uh, a member of our church, Miss Virginia McAmore, that's Brother Dusty's mama. That's uh, my wife's grandmother, and again, she's connected and, Relative weighs a, a lot here. But she passed away just a short time ago. And the day that she passed, as, as my wife was going to see family members and she was driving back, she told me that the, the skies bursted open and she saw a rainbow. And it made me think. It said, she said it made me just think of, of all that's going on. And here's what we know. Miss Virginia McLemore is not in that rainbow. But God is. God is. And God's promises for Miss Virginia Macklemore are in that rainbow. And so when we look up and see creation given to us by the Creator, it reminds us of who He is and who we are not and why we need to know Him and that we can. So when you skip on down to the beach this summer and the water only stops at a certain point, that's because God says it was to stop at a certain point. See, that's, that's the order of creation that God gives And tonight, as we look up into the sky, and if you see stars, and you see the moon, and you see all these things, that man is trying its best to paint and create. Even on the video games that we play, it's man trying to digitally create creation. That's what God does. And so when we see it, we are to recognize the gloriousness of God. The glory of who He is for us to recognize that He is not hiding Himself from us. He's on full display for the world to see. And this is how He displays His glory. It's also displayed in His presence. God's glory is put on display in His presence through the tabernacle and the temple. If you look through the Old Testament, God was not hiding His presence from His people. He created a people for Himself. The nation of Israel was to be blessed and to represent blessing to the entire world. And so God was to give him his presence, his actual presence in the Old Testament. If you look there at Israel as it was making its way to the Promised Land, they they had a, a tent of meeting that was set up for God's very presence to dwell. And so God's glory was actually in literally the midst of the people in the tabernacle. And then, once they were in the Promised Land, King David desired to build a temple, a permanent earthly residence for the glory of God to dwell and so that was seen through by his son Solomon. And God actually dwelt there amongst his people. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 11, the Bible says that his glory filled the temple. He was there. He wasn't trying to keep himself from people. He was there with people. And it gave the world a glimpse of what it's like for God to be with, for God to rule over, for God to bless his people. God was not keeping his glory from them. But then we read in Ezekiel... The glory of God departed from the temple as consequence for people rejecting God. So yes, God gives his presence and his glory to the Old Testament Israel. And as they begin to waver and turn, God's presence lifted his glory from that temple. And even now, in the New Testament era, even now, as, as we are saved, we call upon God to save us through faith in Jesus. We turn from ourselves and turn to God. What God gives us inside of us is His very presence. It's the Holy Spirit of God, the indwelling Spirit of God. This is why we read in the Scripture, for God is working in you, giving you the desire. That's because God's Spirit, His presence, is on the inside of every believer. God is not trying to keep Himself from you at all. In fact, it's quite the opposite. God is trying to get inside of us to work towards the outside of us. But all these things, creation, the tabernacle, the temple, this was part of God's revelation of his glory. But the ultimate revelation is in his son, Jesus. This is the ultimate revelation of of God. This is why we sing and lift high the name of Jesus. If you entertain guests in your home and you want them to come in and see who you are and to see your identity, if you welcome them in, you may show them a certain place in your house that's you really special to you. And you love and it pretty much represents all of who you are. And maybe you take them to a wall and these are our pictures and this is kind of who our family is. Maybe you show them a family heirloom, something that's very important to you and your family. But if you have children... You want to make sure that you introduce them to your children because they're a living representative of your family. Right? These are my kids. Even if they're not there, you'll take out your phone and be like, these are pictures of our kids. You want them to see living representatives of your identity, who you are. I would say most people do that. Now, some of us are thinking, y'all get back in the room and don't open the door. It's that kind of day, right? Just don't come out until we tell you. But we want them to see this living representative this is what God does for the world remember what we said in Colossians last week that Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God God is showing who he is to the world through his son Jesus turn to the book of John John chapter 1 we're going to look at verses 14, 17 and 18 as you're turning there I, sometimes we, we treat God as if he is a magician Like, yeah, we've seen your tricks before. Give us something else. Like, God works for us. Like, we're paying God to put on a show for us. God, what else you got? Yeah, we've seen the sunset and the water stop at our toes. We've seen creation move before us. We know about your word and your enduring word, how it continues to last through generations. And here we are now on Sunday morning. All of us come to hear it. Yeah, we got all that. We've heard about Jesus. But God, what else do you have? What are the tricks do you have up in your sleeve? So that we'll know that you're real. And guess what? God would do something else. And then you know what we do? What else you got? And God has made himself known throughout history, through creation, through his presence, and now through his son, Jesus Christ. And we're not talking about a dead guy in here this morning. Because Jesus arose from the grave. He is the living God that sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. If you want to know what God is like, you look no further than Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 14, the scripture says, So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. When you see Jesus, you see the glory of God. When you've placed faith in Christ, you've placed faith in the expression of God's glory it is Jesus. And then later in verse 17, the scripture says, God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. God's goodness ultimately was expressed on this earth through Jesus the Christ. This is why it's an everyday kind of big deal. In verse 18, no one else has ever seen God, but the, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one, capital O, who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. God ain't trying to keep himself from us. In fact, it's the opposite. He's trying to reach the world still. Lord, would you help us through the rest of this message in Jesus' name? Pastor Tony Evans says that Jesus Christ was God's glory in human flesh. And while on this earth, God exerted his power over creation. How? Healing the sick. You ever thought about how God chose to display himself to the world through Jesus? Not in magic tricks, but healing people, helping people, feeding them. This is how God chose to show the world who he is and his goodness. He, he healed the sick. He, he was over creation. He had pow- all power over creation. He caused the blind to see. And, and, and then, and also in his demonstration of his power, he knew the thoughts of people as he stood before them. They didn't even have to open their mouth. For some of us, that's a scary moment right now to think that God would be standing here and know what you're thinking about even as you sit there in church. But this is who God is. This is all of his glory. This is all of his goodness. Oh, and not to mention, in all of the goodness of God, Jesus lived his life perfectly. Because he is God. He navigated through this thing we call life perfectly. And I don't care what some reporter tells you this week. Jesus was sinless according to the word of God. Not by his own admission. If you had not seen this, don't even watch it. I don't even know why he said that. Because it's not by the own admission of Jesus that he's not sinless. He needs to read the scripture. And we do well to stop looking at the news as much and start reading the scripture more. Because the Bible says that he became sin who knew no sin. So that he might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was the perfect one. Not a lamb, but the spotless lamb. That's who Jesus is. And he reveals the goodness of God. So if this world's got any hope for goodness in ourselves, we got to look up. Because that's where it comes from. Because he's the only one above. The only one that is holy. The only one that is perfect. Jesus displayed himself, or God displayed himself in his son Jesus and because of that those who believe in Jesus his glory must be displayed in the church welcome in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21 says now all glory to God not some of it and a little bit but all of it all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think and listen to this next part glory to him where In the church. And that don't just mean inside these walls. It means inside us. That we are to reflect the glory of God as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Glory to God in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. We we live now in a place where when you ask little boys and little girls what they want to be when they grow up, a very viable answer to that is famous. We want to be famous because now there are so many ways to make your identity known and you can become famous for doing something great or acting stupid I mean really I'm not allowed, I don't know if I'm allowed to say stupid or not but whatever so that's, but you can, you, you can get famous for a lot of different things and we think you know it's just today's not like it used to be, yeah it's the same way then growing up I mean, you think about when, when people ask you when you're little what you want to be, a lot of us would answer we want to be a professional so-and-so because we want the fame and the glory of it. We don't want to play in front of 10. We want to play in front of 10,000. And there's fame and there's glory there, and that's something on the inside of us that, that we're seeking within our, our sin nature. It was the same when I was a kid. You think about There's nothing new under the sun The Scripture says. Self-promotion wasn't as easy when I was a kid, but we still grew up with a very popular broadcast called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Sun drop wishes and cornbread dreams. That's not how it went. It's just the way I had pictured it. But this is, this is what we grew up with. We grew up with a show coming on TV where we all wanted to watch it because they featured people that had yachts and mansions. And their name was in lights. We seek after those things because it's within our sin nature to steal glory from God. And we ain't worthy of it. Glory and fame for ourselves for what? For what? Why do we want this glory and fame for us because the scripture just said all glory to God. All glory to God, not some of it, but all of it. And the Bible says in John 15:5, I believe it's John 15:5, apart from God, we can do nothing. Nothing of eternal value can be done in and of ourselves. Eternal value begins and ends with work for God's glory. The church is God's organization. And followers of Jesus are working for the glory of God. our, our, Our Southern Baptist president, J.D. Greer, says, Whatever you do, do it well for the glory of God and do it strategically for the mission of God. That is the work of the church. Is is we're not seeking fame in our name. We're seeking God's name to be promoted throughout the earth because there's only one name under heaven by which men must be saved, and that's Jesus. We're His representatives. We're His ambassadors. Can I tell you something that's very cool? The last three weddings that I've done, the last three weddings that I've officiated, and Brittany and I will sit and we will we'll counsel premarital counselor with the with these young couples and and we'll ask them about we'll talk about all these different things and then. We asked them about the service and service order and how do you want it. And the last three couples we've had have all asked us to share the gospel at their wedding. That's good, isn't it? It's so good I wish I'd have thought of it. I say, like, man, what an opportunity. And that's what they know. They know that they have a crowd of people coming to see them for their glory. And what do they do as the church? They flip it. And they ask us to share the bad news of sin and the good news that God saves. That's good. It really is good. And and a lot of times they're asking us to do that because they know friends and family that will be there and it may be the only time that they get to hear, good to hear or get to hear the good news that Jesus saves. You have what you have, you have it strategically for the glory of God. So God's glory has been and still is being revealed to the earth and to people. And, and as we think about our 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 fame I would, I would, young folks, students, children. I would, I would encourage you, to to think about what we mentioned on the the front end, which is glory can be assigned to you, but it will not last. It will at some point fade away. Do y'all know? As I, there, I talk to young folks, and I'll be like, you know, that song that Elvis sings, and they're like, who? I'm like, who? Right? I mean, it's it's that way with 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 all these, with all every name that you can think of. Generations pass by. I'll never forget. I was in the I was in the truck with my dad. We were uh, we were at a funeral home, and we were making our way out. And as we were as we were making, I don't even know who we were there for, but I remember being in the truck with my dad. And before we left, my dad, in a very intentional moment, looked at me and he goes, "You saw these cars around here, son?" I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "Let me tell you something right now. You don't have to be famous to be respected." Never forget it. And all of a sudden we are honoring someone and we have so much respect for them because they have worked for the glory of God and not for their name. And it's good to attend a funeral like that and see those things. Think about that. The, the fame and glory that we could work for our own is for what? For how long? For a lifetime? See, God's eternal. That's what we're dealing with here. But see, there's more reasons about why God cares about His glory. And as we make our way there, let me tell you something. God cares about His glory. He cares about it big time. He cares about His name. He cares about His worth. He cares about His matchless value. And the Scripture promotes the same idea. Psalm 96, verses 4 through 6. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. Most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols but the lord has made the heavens honor and majesty surround him strength and beauty fill his sanctuary the nations or the gods of other nations are mere idols god makes no room for rivals cuz he don't have any god knows if you were to worship a rival god that doesn't exist then what in the world are you doing and sometimes the rival god that we exist is is not made out of a block of wood we're looking at him in the mirror that's the God that we serve, the God of our feelings, which is us, right? And, and so the scripture is even saying that the gods of other nations are mere idols. Think about the first 10 commandments. The first of the 10 commandments in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, you must not have any other God before me. Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 and 5, God says that they're not to make an idol or, or bow to an image. I am jealous. I'm a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Not going to have it, God says. I'm the only one. Not going to tolerate any affection for any other God. You are my people. Even before Exodus, people had a God problem. In Genesis, as far back as Adam and Eve, they were not content to know and be with God. That wasn't good enough for them. And so, there in the garden, they wanted to be like God and receive His glory. We know this because this is the game that Satan played with them in Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. He told Eve... You can eat of that tree. I know God didn't, I know God said you're not supposed to, but you can eat of that tree. He just knows you're going to be like him if you eat of that tree. And all of a sudden that perked her interest, I guess. She doubted what God said. Ate of the tree, sin comes in. This was the play that Satan made against Eve. Fame and glory. Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. World coming together, building a tower. And they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. And this will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. In both cases, God steps in. He banishes Adam and Eve from the garden. He breaks up the Tower of Babel, splits up the languages, scatters them across the world. God knows his worth and he knows our place. That's who he is. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7, bring all who claim me as their God. And if you believe in the name of Jesus today, then that's you. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. I did not make you for your feelings. I made you for my glory, is what the Bible says. It was I who created them. God is trying to keep us from ourselves. And purpose for something greater than just ourselves. And you might ask when we talk about all these things, what is the deal with God? Is he really insecure? Does he have a self-image problem? He needs every song to be sung to him. He needs all glory. I mean, what's his problem? Well, first of all, he's the only one that deserves it. But the second part of that is where it gets really good for us. Before we get to that, Psalm 29, 2. Honor the Lord for the glory of His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. I love the way that the King James Version puts this. In Psalm 29, 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. So yes, God deserves the glory. It's not about wanting self-worth. It's about what's right is right. All glory belongs to God. But here's the thing. When we buy in that all glory works to God or all glory belongs to God we then understand that God's glory works for us. Now that's the good part. God's glory works for us. If we would abide by God's glory, if we would seek to make much of God, then we'll live right, do right, and die right, and our life will count for something. It'll count for something in all eternity. God cares about His glory because He knows what He's worth, but He also knows our need. We need the glory of God. And God's glory works for us. He desires the best for us. And He knows what's best for Him. This is why God is working us away from idols, and He always has. And why God is working us towards Himself. Yes, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. You may be sitting here today because somebody asked you to come, and you didn't want to come at all. And you may leave unchanged. But you should know that the Scripture says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And he's working for us to do that willingly, not unwillingly, because he knows what's best for his creation. He doesn't make people worship him. God's a gentleman. He desires people to worship him. He desires it in relationship. Think about Abraham. When God called Abraham to be a representative for his business throughout the nations and to choose a people for himself, how did he call Abraham? Did he force him to do it? Did he force him to say, you're going to work for me. I don't care if you want to or not. What did he do? Nope, he blessed him. He blessed him. That's how God deals. He blessed him. Think about us. God's called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Called us to make disciples. How does he do that with us? Does he make us do it? Nope, he saves us even better. See, this is how God operates. His glory works for our good. Here's something else. He's saddened by false worship. Saddened by it. Because it steals from the glory that's his, yes. But false worship damages his people. He damaged, it damages people. God knows that if we give allegiance to anything or anyone else that is not worth the glory, then we are worshiping the equivalent of a block of wood. See, this is what God was working against in the Old Testament. Get rid of these images. Even mentioning in certain places of scripture, you're, you're worshiping what is the equivalent of a tree cut down. Y'all don't know this. Some of y'all know this because you're in there. Some of you don't. I don't even know if Brother Dusty knows this. But while I was a student pastor here, I brought in a totem pole. Brought it in, stood about this tall, about this big around. Brought it into the student ministry worship center. Sat it right there in front of all the students. And for some of you, they're like, oh my goodness, it ain't real. It's a block of wood. And that's why I brought it in there. Because God was saying, you are worshiping things that I've created to be your creator. And that ain't how it goes. I wanted to show them visibly how silly it looked for the things that we worship. looks even sillier when we look at ourselves in the mirror and we do whatever we want to do. That we worship that idol just as well. Something that God has created now becomes the one that is the creator. Or we worship him as such. And so God, this is why, this is why God cares so much about His glory. Yes, because He's worth it, but yes, because it's foolish to worship and live by anyone or anything else. See, that's how He works for us. He's for us. Our worship is simply relationship from the appropriate position. God up here and man down here. And that's the only way it will work for His glory. But that's also the only way it will work for your good is if you have this high view of God that He is, as we're reminded by the thunder, this is who He is. Because God is glorious, whenever God shows up, everything changes. Whenever God shows up, everything changes. And this is where I would lead us to today. If if you're here today and thinking, I need this, I need God, I want to go in this direction, I'm going to tell you, when God gets in the picture and you allow Him to lead, Things begin to change. Somebody give testimony to that today. Amen. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 2. As fire causes the wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. And then your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. Think about what the scripture says. As fire causes wood to burn. We don't go to the campsite and sit around a block of wood. We go to the campsite and sit around wood that's on fire. See, fire, when fire's in there, it makes all the difference. Same thing when you're preparing food to cook and cook out the impurities and, and you're making it ready for consumption. Water doesn't make that happen. Boiling water does. As fire causes wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. When God shows up, Things begin to change. This is what the prophet is making plain to God's people. His presence makes a difference. If there's a reason why things are falling apart or things don't seem like they matter, it's because we are worshiping the false God that is ourselves. We are factoring God out. We're working for our own glory. So there is no difference to be made if we're keeping God out. If you're ready for a change in your life, Consider bringing to a close your own and live for the glory of God because God deserves all recognition. And when we glory God, God works for us. Amen? Let's bow our heads.